This is Dr. What, Dr. Where, Stories of Rural Medicine. It's the podcast exploring what it's like to further your training and practice medicine in regional Victoria. In this episode, oncologists around Victoria talk about the role they play in treating their patients close to home. Cancer treatment is a confronting and challenging time for anyone who has been through it. So imagine having to seek treatment far from home. Anyone who's done any country driving, if you think about doing that an hour each way plus three or four hour infusion delays that you inevitably get in hospital systems, it can make it a long day. And I think when a lot of our work is about quality of life and trying to support people, it's important to be close to home or to minimise that where possible logistically and physically. This is Dr. Chloe Georgiou, an oncology registrar at Bendigo Health. Regional medicine has always been a priority in her journey to become a doctor, and it's something she is a passionate advocate for. I think a lot of the drive for me in doing medicine was actually that it was one of the careers that helped you be in healthcare and research, but you didn't have to stay in a central area. So growing up in Wodonga, I actually had an aunt who uh, was in Cobram and she died of cancer. And at the time she was very far from any nearby chemotherapy services. And I think a lot of people, when you know they're traveling more than a hundred kilometers for treatment, that can be pretty tiring. It's a great idea if the doctors are happy to be in the country or even go further out in a sort of hub and spoke model. So long-term, yeah, the idea was always come back to some sort of regional center. Was oncology always the plan as well? It was always the main interest area, the main drive. I was very keen on research and pathology for a little bit, but I think it was good to experience a lot of different health networks and try and find a mentor along the way. I think that's really important. So asking people what sort of career pathways they took, opportunities and being flexible and willing to relocate just made me see that you could do a lot in this field. And what was the training and studying experience like regionally in helping you get that broad overview of different specialties and options? So I think here in Bendigo, we're very lucky. There are a lot of specialties that are based here. So if you're in a bigger regional network, that does help you access different specialties and get you an idea of where you might want to go. I think some of my colleagues as junior doctors maybe were exposed to more subspecialty areas, but then didn't necessarily get a lot of the good general grounding that you need to build on. It's always possible, I think, to pick up the phone and ask people questions or try and get a bit more experience in an area if you are interested in it. And I think one of the benefits here is just how much time you spend talking to consultants, whereas in a city hospital there might be a lot of different hierarchy levels between an intern and a professor. My first intern job was in Echuca and there were no registrars. So it used to be us as interns picking up the phone and calling a consultant in a Melbourne hospital for advice, which gives you a lot of confidence and a lot of good experience early on. What was that support like from senior levels, both in Melbourne and at the health services you were training at? Generally, overall, it's a positive experience. You have to be quite prepared and you have to realise the limitations of trying to just talk over the phone rather than see a patient. But at the same time, some of it's education. So people might ask you for tests that just you cannot physically do. We don't have 24-hour pathology in a lot of our peripheral hospitals. So it's actually going back to, I think, what's the nitty-gritty of medicine, like good clinical assessments um, and good safe practice, which is quite exciting in a day and age where we tend to spend a lot of time on computers. 
how has computers and IT helped facilitate healthcare, particularly in the more remote areas yeah. near Bendigo? So I think it's one of our biggest assets. It's really important if we have access to sort of good databases and networks. One of your early questions was about the sort of training and I know going through I learned pretty early on to actually reference databases like therapeutic guidelines or good practical guidelines for your care rather than just go by whatever your boss told you to do. So having access to that's really good. It means you can also electronically check patients' bloods. They can have things done closer to home and do some of it over the phone. So I think it's um, moving things forward really well. It also in the oncology area allows us to dial in to multidisciplinary meetings in the city. So if we've got a rarer cancer and we need an opinion, just because a patient lives here, they don't necessarily have to travel down to get their second opinion. We can, with their consent, discuss their case at a multidisciplinary tumour board, which really helps us manage them well. What's the demand like for doctors out here? I think you can easily find yourself a job if you're willing to work hard and be a bit flexible and relocate. There's heaps of stats about the Australian health workforce and growing populations in regional areas. The ratio, I think there was one study of oncologists to patients about one per 180,000. And when one in three people are going to get cancer by the age of 85, chances are we're going to be working for a long time. The work is different. I think you have to be prepared for that. But in some ways, I always have thought it's more satisfying. And you might find that you're managing other comorbidities outside your specialty area, but that's what you do your general physician training for. So you just keep up to date with that. Looking at how your training and study experience has gone, Mm -hmm. based on your experience, is there any advice you would have for someone that's looking at getting into rural medicine? So I think pathways are going to be really important going forward because at my time there was no formalised way to start in the country and then get into the city. And that can potentially be a hurdle if you want to do surgical or physician training just because it's not as easy for someone who's been in the same hospital the whole way through. Having said that, there's a lot of recognition and there's a lot of networks and people who know each other. So I don't think it's a big disadvantage. I think you can start out in the country, work hard and work well, and you'll get the experience that is recognised when you're trying to go for those jobs in the city. You've also got to be a little bit clever about some of the research you do along the way. Um, and CV building but there are opportunities in all the fields here in Bendigo and you can always do conferences and upskill across things. Study-wise sometimes it can be a little bit more isolating because you don't necessarily have the big groups that you might have in the city. Having said that though everyone lives here within 10 minute drive of the hospital so there's actually a lot more meeting out of work and that really helps I think that social network as well. 10 minute drive in Bendigo is to the edge of town. Mm. So I guess the lifestyle considerations are a pretty big factor in moving to the country. They're huge. um, And I think we're really lucky if we know about it. It's a little bit of a well-kept secret. If all you've ever done is had to catch multiple trains, trams, pay tolls in Melbourne, you might think an hour and a half or two hour drive to get to Bendigo is a long way. But Actually, you'd spend sort of an hour and a half when I was living in the eastern suburbs and working at Western. So, and it's a much easier drive out here and the parking's cheaper. So all those little things add up. I think you can have a great quality of life in a lot of the country areas around this region. All those positive factors Chloe mentioned around regional practice create a freer, less congested lifestyle. Regional cancer treatment is a growing field across the board 
With new appointments, dedicated cancer centres and new resources, it has become easier than ever to treat cancer patients within their own communities. In Mildura, a new radiation bunker and linear accelerator has been built on the private hospital grounds. An agreement with the state government means that the public health patients can also receive treatment here. This $11 million investment will enable clinicians to deliver up to 9,000 radiation therapy treatments a year. Before this opened, patients would have had to travel several hours to Bendigo, Melbourne or even Adelaide to seek radiotherapy. Now it's on their doorstep. But the positive impacts don't just extend to travel times. It means patients can be cared for by the same healthcare team throughout their healthcare journey. Dr. Holly Atkinson is a medical oncologist and general physician. She noticed this point of difference when she moved out to West Gippsland after her fellowship training. I think the main difference that I would say between practice as a specialist out here versus all of my fellowship training, which was in Melbourne, is night and day. It's a difference between a sometimes somewhat faceless kind of subspecialty oncology clinic, you know, a breast clinic or a colorectal clinic, compared to having a doctor that you see every time who knows your personal history, your family history, your social situation, your financial situation, who's been through it with you through thick and thin. And in my case as well is living in the same community so really has the same kind of frame of reference. I think it's much more rewarding than certainly some of the work I did as a fellowship trainee. What got you out to the regions? Um, so I grew up in what is technically Greenbelt, Melbourne. So I grew up on the Mornington Peninsula on 10 acres. So living in West Gippsland, beautiful green rolling hills, you know, fantastic soil to grow things in was very comfortable for me. Um, and so when I was finished with my fellowship training, I actively went looking for places that would be that. West Gippsland just fit the bill. It's also significantly less expensive to live here than it is on the Mornington Peninsula. So that was a significant concern as well. I think the other thing was, you know, considering my my husband's work as well and, you know, he's actively into kind of live music and kind of arts and theatre and um, getting to the footy on a Friday night as well. The advantage of having a V-line where you basically hop on and an hour and 20 minutes later you're at Flinders Street Station with a very comfortable ride in between was a big factor as well. It's You can't necessarily say that about all parts of the regions in Victoria. So, yeah. Some people's concerns when they're coming out here might yeah. be that there might be a lack of that arts and mm. music community. Well, I mean, I can only speak to West Gippsland, but with particularly with the um, redevelopment of the West Gippsland Arts Centre, it's just a fantastic place to be now. There's literally always something on. You know, we've got four or five things coming up in the next three or four months alone, some for the kids, some for us. And, you know, it's three minutes there, three minutes home, easy parking. West Gippsland's just a great place to be if that's one of your interests, yeah. What's your experience been working out here? So, I, I mean, I've loved it. <laughs> I started off working at uh, Latrobe Regional Hospital out in Traralgon and then for a variety of reasons when children came along, I ended up working much closer to home at West Gippsland. All the things that people tell you about regional lifestyle. So, you know, it's three minutes by car and 15 minutes by bike. Lovely people to work with. I have a team who I trust implicitly in terms of looking after my patients when they're inpatients or as outpatients. I've got a fantastic palliative care team here that are really integrated with oncology and general medicine. It's just a, it's a lovely place to bring up kids. It's a lovely place to work. You don't always get to say that about your workplace, but I'm lucky that I do. And is there much of a difference for those rural rotations compared to 
being in a metropolitan centre? It's different to a degree in that in a metropolitan centre because of volume of, of patients, but also because of subspecialty interests, trial availability, etc. You tend to have oncology subspecialties that, that cluster. So you'll have, you know, a breast clinic that's run by two or three oncologists that specifically and purely work within the breast sphere or a, or a GI oncology service that clinic where it's it's run by two or three oncologists that only do GI oncology. And it's that's fantastic for really dialing into the nitty-gritty of those specific tumour streams. But oncology in the regions is, is almost always general oncology. So both on an inpatient ward and also in a clinic, you'll have a, a much more mixed variety of patients and tumour types and also stages of illness all the way from first diagnosis through to end of life care. That variety must keep you on your toes. Very much so, <laughs> yes. Yes. So it is difficult as a dual trainee to keep on top of the continuing professional development requirements, no matter where you are and where you work. It's particularly difficult when you are dealing with so many subspecialty oncology issues on a daily basis. But, you, you know, you do the best for your patients. Are there any stories that you would be willing to share or talk about? Sure. So one story that, that really warms my heart. I mean, in oncology, you you get some wins some days and you have a lot of I wouldn't call them losses but you do you know you have you have patients who pass away as well I think on both ends of the spectrum there you know lovely stories so one fantastic story was a a young woman who came to me she had just been diagnosed with breast cancer she was 14 weeks pregnant and had to have a termination so that she could have chemotherapy that was pretty rough for her we got her through all of her treatment and, you know, five years later uh, she came back to see me and she had a baby in her arms and she said, you know, you helped me make this baby because before I went through chemotherapy I did egg collection and, you know, that's that's made it possible for us to have the baby that we never thought we'd have the chance to have. You know, that, that really warms your heart. At the same time you have people who pass away sometimes peacefully, sometimes after a lot of difficult symptom control issues, but... From a palliative care perspective, you know, it's a win if that person has dignity and some choice and power and control over what happens at end of life. And so if they're at home with their family and it's as peaceful as is humanly possible, that's a win as well mm. from, from my perspective. So, yeah. You might even see your patients out in the community and that sort of thing being in such a small yeah. town. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes that's a very positive thing and sometimes it can bring back some difficult memories for them. You know, I'm, I'm the doctor that they see frequently at some of the most emotionally challenging parts of their life when their loved one is unwell or when they themselves are unwell. You don't get invited to a lot of funerals and that's completely understandable because you're a symbol of of that illness and that they don't want to be remembered as as just what killed them and I completely understand that. So sometimes that's a really positive thing, sometimes it can be challenging for all concerned, yeah. Is there a real push to have your patients treated locally here because it would be a real burden to to travel to Very Melbourne. Much so. Very much so. So um, prior to the last probably 10 years or so there was really only one oncologist out here and that was John Scarlett. John did 
a literally superhuman job looking after basically all of Gippsland from, you know, Lakes Entrance, which I think was as far out as he went, all the way through to West Gippsland and everywhere in between. But I also remember as a trainee there would be so many patients coming into the city to start their chemotherapy in the city because John just didn't have the capacity to see the huge number of people who he needed to see. So that has changed. We now have, you know, the Gippsland Cancer Care Centre and we've got haematologists and oncologists in, in private and public practice all through Gippsland. We've just had a PET scanner open at La Trobe Regional Hospital two weeks ago, which is absolutely brilliant for our patients. And we've obviously got Gippsland Radiation Oncology as well. So the vast majority of care can be done down here. Some of the things we're limited in is some of the more specialised oncology tumour streams, so sarcoma should always be managed in a sarcoma centre and in, in Victoria that's in that's in Vincent's Hospital. And uh, clinical trials are difficult to access down here as well, yeah. It sounds like the capabilities are really growing mm. in Gippsland. And Absolutely. You know, elsewhere as well, and I suppose the demand for oncologists and trainees is only going to grow from here. Very much so. Unfortunately, yes, as our population grows, we get better and better at treating cardiovascular disease and respiratory disease and gastrointestinal disease and and you know renal disease and and people unfortunately still tend to die of cancer because even as we get better treating it, it's still a, a difficult to cure medical problem, particularly in the elderly. So population grows it, it grows older it grows more, more comorbid unfortunately cancer becomes more common what does the future look like from here for yourself but perhaps the you know oncology around Gippsland as well I think the in West Gippsland specifically it's very clear and I think Gary Campaign has said this in a, in a previous podcast we need a new hospital I would hope that happens at some point in my practicing career because one of the things that we clearly need within that new hospital is a larger oncology service, one that can operate at least five days a week. Um, you know, at the moment, the issue we have providing care locally is not a lack of quality staff or desire or interest. It's purely and simply a lack of space. So if we had more space, we would be able to provide more patients care physically in West Gippsland. Um, the Gippsland Cancer Care Centre continues to expand as it should. It's a regional cancer care hub. And similarly in Sale and Bairnsdale, their services are going to expand over time as well. Is there any advice you'd have for someone that's looking at getting into oncology? I would say work within the specialty if you have the opportunity to as a as a PGY one or two. Most of the opportunities are unfortunately available to, to BPTs, to basic physician trainees rather than to general trainees. But if you have the opportunity, do so. Or in the palliative care unit is the other thing. So you'll come across a lot of people who are end stage with their malignancy, but I firmly believe that being a good palliative care specialist makes you better at every other specialty as well. I might be biased there, but nonetheless. So get some experience, talk to some people. I know personally the reason why I became an oncologist because I finished university thinking I would be a haematologist. The reason why I became an oncologist was because there was a fantastic oncologist and palliative care specialist who I worked with as a first basic physician trainee and then as a registrar who, you know, turned my head. And the reason why I do what I do is because of him. So if you find a mentor who you gel with, you know, pick their brain, suck every last little bit of information you can out of them, yeah. Some people might be concerned about the lack of subspecialty out in the regions, mm -hmm. but is there scope to be able to do that within your career? Definitely. Particularly, so, I mean, my practice is, is mainly just me, but certainly within 
the Gippsland Cancer Care Centre, which is where most of the oncologists regionally are based. There are certainly people who have a subspecialty interest, so, you know, genitourinary oncology or breast or um, gynae oncology, um, GI oncology, etc. They certainly will preferentially take new patients specific to those to those subgroups so absolutely there is a role to practice some subspecialty oncology yeah Dr Atkinson mentioned Dr John Scarlett he started his career in Gippsland as the only oncology specialist there at the time these days he teaches at Monash Rural Health in Warrigal In his time practicing, oncology services in Gippsland have grown from just a single specialist to a dedicated cancer care centre and a wide range of capability to treat cancer patients in and around their communities. When I came to Gippsland, there was a very makeshift facility. Essentially, we had two empty rooms and we had a few comfy chairs and set up some IV poles next to the comfy chairs to make a chemotherapy treatment centre. And that was in Traralgon, and Traralgon was the only place in Gippsland that we were giving chemotherapy, although one of the physicians in sale was doing a bit as well. And there was just me. Since then, we've seen in all the big regional centres in Victoria, so Bendigo, Ballarat, Geelong, Warrnambool, Shepparton, Aubrey-Wodonga and Traralgon, purpose-built oncology centres. And also in smaller towns like Bensdale and Warrigal and Leangatha, smaller but still purpose-built, designed for the task, cancer treatment centres have been incorporated in the hospitals. That's all new and that was almost unimaginable in the 1990s. The other thing that we now have is radiation oncology, which is quite expensive technology that was never seen outside of inner Melbourne in the 1980s and early 1990s that's now available in several regional centres, including Traralgon, and people no longer have to travel to the inner city to get radiotherapy. That was quite a political struggle at the time, but now that it's up and running, I don't think anybody sees that it's been anything other than a major advance. It would have been quite an adventure, I suppose, moving out here as the only oncologist back then. I can say that my wife thought that I was mad, (laughs) (laughs) and I thought so too sometimes. Uh, Yeah, it was a big step into the unknown. There had been an oncologist in Gippsland for five or six years before I came down to Traralgon uh, and he had left several months before and they'd been unable to find a replacement. So there was the basis of a clinical practice but it was running down because there had been nobody full-time occupying the seat for a number of months. Uh, building it up from there to a practice that ran out of four different towns across Gippsland and got so busy that in the end it got really too busy for me, uh, too busy for one person, uh, was you know, a big task. I think it required the sort of energy that I had in my 30s and 40s and don't have in my 60s. But, uh, yeah, it was a challenge. It was certainly different to the usual career course of, of a haematologist or medical oncologist. What were the attitudes of that time for you know, someone like yourself in that sort of specialty moving out to a regional area? Look, to some extent it was supportive. There was a recognition of a need and some people said, yes, if you're willing to go there, 
I wouldn't go there, but if you're willing to go there, good luck to you, son. Uh, other people just looked at you and rolled their eyes up into their heads. I mean, the first job I took outside of Melbourne was Geelong. Geelong ain't a long way from Melbourne. Uh, but when I announced to the professor of medicine at uh, the inner Melbourne hospital where I was working on a research grant that I was going to take up a position at the Geelong hospital and resign my research grant. He looked at me as if Geelong was somewhere off the edge of the known world, that if I'd headed down the Geelong road that somewhere just a little past Footscray, I'd drop into the unknown and probably be eaten by dragons. Mm. People just didn't, didn't do that. And has that changed since then? I think so. Because there are a lot more people now working in the regions, I think there is still an attitude issue and it affects specialists more than GPs. The concept of the rural GP is a sort of multi-skilled uber GP. But with a specialist, there is something of an attitude and patients have it too that you know if you could make it in the big city, you'd have made it in the big city. So if you're down here in the country town, it's because you couldn't make it in the big city. And so to have gone to a regional area as a positive choice, you do run up against from time to time that attitude that, well, the only reason you'd be here is that, you know, you weren't going to make it at Royals and elsewhere. There isn't really that much of a difference in terms of the, the care that you're delivering here. No, I think that's right. 95% probably of what you can get at the Peter McCallum Cancer Centre and its wonderful new building in Parkville, you can get at one of the major regional centres. There are a few things you can't get. There are specialist techniques such as uh, marrow transplants. There are some clinical trials which are available in the city and are not available in the country, and I think that's a big issue and a challenge for regional delivery of care in cancer medicine. And there is an extra layer of expertise that comes from people who spend all their professional life just dealing with one particular kind of cancer that isn't available in the country. But what I found was that whenever I did feel that I needed some advice or was out of my depth, that those people were always invariably courteous and generous in giving their time available for an informal telephone conversation and, and giving their knowledge. And they were also invariably cooperative if I wished to refer the patient to them for a second opinion. And I think if you work in the country, the second opinion is your best friend. You can always get your colleagues in the city to help you out with a second opinion as long as your patient is willing to go there. The fact that you've trained urban doesn't mean that you can't escape the rat race and get out into the country and make your way after that. It doesn't mean that because you trained in an urban area that you're stuck in an urban area. You can get out into a regional hospital, you will probably find that there are some jobs going in regional hospitals that are easier to come by than there are in the major urban centres you will find that you can afford a house. You'll find that you wake up in the morning to the sound of magpies, not to the sound of traffic jams. Uh, you will almost certainly find that there is a good school that you can send your children to if you've been silly enough to have children. And that life can be a lot better outside the city than it can be scratching along on a half-paid job as a research assistant to somebody in a major centre. The lifestyle considerations are such a a huge benefit and a huge change to the daily grind in the in a large city. Yeah. What sells me on, on regional practice is the aesthetics of country life. I love living in the country. I love sitting on my veranda and sipping a glass of red wine in the evening as I was doing last night and watching some kangaroos hopping out of the bush onto my paddock. I really like 
listening to frogs at night. I really do not like road rage. I don't like bumper to bumper on the Monash. I don't like having to go round and round the car park looking for a park. I don't like having to spend an hour between one hospital and another hospital just because it takes that long to go three kilometres in the inner city some days. I think there's so much about country living. Yeah, I got on my bike yesterday and rode for 50 kilometres and saw three cars. Tell that to the beach road crew. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if there was someone looking at becoming a regional oncologist listening to this, is there any advice that you would give to, to someone in that position? Yeah, I would talk to some people who are doing it. I would get on the phone and talk to one or two of the people who've been established in regional oncology practice. I would certainly look at uh, incorporating a regional component in the oncology training program if you're at the point where you're through your basic first part physicians and are looking at getting into the training program. I would express a real interest in it. Uh, The fact that you're willing to go regional may actually make you a desirable candidate because not everyone is. And I would be very positive about your opportunities there. But I would say to you that the thing that should drive that is not a sort of economic consideration but really do you think you'd like to live in the country? And if you think you'd like to live in the country and if those aspects of life attract you, then you will probably be very happy as a regional oncologist or hematologist. Thank you to our guests for taking the time to discuss their work and thank you for listening. You can find out more about the study and training opportunities across regional Victoria by visiting monash.edu forward slash medicine forward slash SRH. This episode was part of a series of conversations with doctors in regional Victoria. We have a whole range of episodes available on different specialist fields and are releasing new episodes every fortnight. Find us on your podcast app of choice and if you're enjoying the series so far, give us a five-star rating too. It helps us reach more people looking at a career in rural medicine. The Northwest Victoria and Gippsland Regional Training Hubs have commissioned this podcast to help medical students and junior doctors learn more about practicing and training in medicine across regional Australia. There are hubs all across the country. To find out where your nearest regional training hub is, visit the link in the episode show notes or just search regional training hubs. And finally, this podcast was brought to you by Monash Rural Health, presented by Patrick Laverick, that's me, and it was made possible by funding from the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program at the Commonwealth Department of Health.